So we've been in this series walking through Jesus' model of, of prayer. And what we've done every week is we've started by, uh, by reciting it together. So for some of you, depending on how you raise church backgrounds, this is actually something that is very familiar to you. This is a prayer that you've uh, recited many, many times. A lot of us don't fully know what we're saying, but we've recited it. And so we're going to start by doing that again today. We're going to start with our Father, and we're going to all read this together. You guys ready? All right, so let's go. Our Father, which art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So there are some things in life that are easier said than done. Uh, getting in shape, like losing weight, getting in shape, that's one of those things that's easier said than done. Uh, there's, I think it's six million Americans today have gym memberships that they don't use. Uh, how many of those six million are in here right now? Um, tree, tree of trust. But, but uh, $400 million a year in America is wasted on unused gym memberships. But we all find ourselves at the end of December going, like, this is going to be my year. For some of you, 2022 is going to be the year. Like, washboard abs by Christmas, and we didn't, we didn't get there, right? So it was Easier said than done. Uh, other things that are easier said than done is like folding a fitted sheet. That sounds really easy, doesn't it? But if you, most guys have no idea what I'm talking about because you don't fold the laundry. But if you ever have tried, you know how difficult it is to fold that thing. Uh, projects around the house. Like you, there are a number of things that I do now as a homeowner that I'm like, oh, that should take me about 15 minutes. Well, like four hours later and many, many cuss words later, uh, I finally call someone to come and do it for me. But it sounded so sounded so easy, like purging your house, like it's your neighborhood yard sale coming up and you got plans like we're getting rid of everything, like we're going to totally downsize. But all, everything you have has sentimental value or one of the kids wants to keep it and the yard sale weekend comes and goes and all you did was buy a bunch of your neighbor's junk to add to the collection of stuff that you already have. But, but on the surface, it sounded so easy, didn't it? Like it was easy to say, man, we're going to get rid of some stuff, but when it came time to actually do it, it was much more difficult. I think about in Scripture the things that Jesus told us to do, that on the surface they make sense, and on the surface just saying them, just talking about them, listen, telling somebody else to do them, they're really easy. But it's easier said than done when Jesus said things like, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That sounds on the surface easy. But when you try to do it and you realize all of the sacrifices that come with that, you realize very quickly it's a lot easier said than done. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like, yeah, we should love our neighbor, but it's easier said than done. Serve one another. Easier said than done. Deny self. Take up your cross. Follow me. Those things are all easier said than done. But how about this one? How about this one? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. I mean, it's easy. The first part of that petition is easy. Forgive, forgive me. But he says, forgive us as we forgive others. You know, forgiveness is a, is a challenging topic. Like, I, I know it's a difficult thing to, uh, to talk about. I know some of you in here right now, you're like, man, we totally should have gone to the beach. It's a holiday weekend. <laughs> like, can we talk about anything else? Some of you in here are like, man, how about that money talk? Let's talk about tithing. Some of you are like, I'd rather you tell me that I should give my money back to, to Jesus than to talk about forgiveness. 
And so knowing that it's a difficult topic, I want to give you the goal right up front. Like the goal is really, really simple. It's going to be based off of what Jesus says. But the goal is that you and I would preach the good news of the great forgiveness of God over our lives. And then in turn, we would choose the path to forgive each other just as God in Christ has forgiven us. That's the goal. Right? I want you to experience and remind yourself of the forgiveness that God has extended to you and to me. And then from that, we would in turn use that as a means of giving us the motivation, the strength, the perspective we need to in turn extend that same forgiveness to others. Because I, I know in this room there, there are people who have experienced difficult things. There are some of us who were battling to forgive something, and it's over something that's really fairly insignificant. Where even We would even be embarrassed to say it out loud. But you're still struggling to forgive. And, and then there's others of us in here where you experience something uh, you experienced a pain at a very deep level. Maybe it was a boss or a coworker, a family member or a friend. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a pastor. Right? We talked about this in the, the first service. Like, man, the, 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 some of the deepest wounds are at the hand of, of, uh, at, of church leaders. Like church hurt can be some of the most difficult to deal with because we expect each other to live out all the principles that we talk about. Talk all the time about becoming like Jesus, and we foolishly and naively think that we're in a room with a bunch of people who are actually going to live that out. And then when it's not lived out, when when I don't live that out, or when you don't live that out, it often creates this pain and this tension. It feels like this even greater level of betrayal because it's somebody that you trusted because you thought they wanted to live the life that Jesus lived, and when they didn't, it hurts at a deep level, and it can be pain that's very difficult to overcome. How about God? Oh, I would never be bitter towards God. Sure you would. We're just smart enough not to tell anybody else about it. But some of you in here right now, the, the biggest relationship that you have that's struggling, that you're harboring something against, is God. I'm not, saying that, I'm not saying that God is wrong, but in your perspective, in your situation, from what the, the limited perspective you have, you view what he has done in your life as wrong, and you're struggling right now with that relationship. It could be someone who's wronged you, abused you, slandered you, mistreated you, backstabbed you, destroyed your reputation. And we all have our own natural responses. These are the, the foolish uh, truths of the human condition. We all, we all have our own natural responses that aren't working. Right? Some of us in here, we choose to, to retaliate or, or revenge. Who in here is like that? Like, is anybody? I'll, I'm like, I'm not raising my hand as an example. I'm like, I'm that guy. Like, that's me. <laughs> Like, I'm going to retaliate. I'm, my mom taught me don't get even, get ahead. Like, I am going to hurt you more than you hurt me. That's, that's my natural response. And if I can't get even with you, then I'm at the very least going to get sarcastic and petty about it. And this just happened to me uh, two weeks ago. I was in Chicago, and I, I took a cab, which I should have gone with Uber, but I couldn't figure out where they were at the airport. So I went with a cab. He drives me out there, and he's adding all of these extra fees on that I know are not legitimate. So we're going back and forth in the car, and I'm, I'm about to get out of the car and not pay, but then all of a sudden I realize, like, what's going to happen next is the police are going to show up. There's going to be an investigation. Whether I'm right or not doesn't matter. Like, just pay the guy and be, and be done with it. So when I realized I couldn't get even with him, I'm like, oh, I can absolutely get petty. So I get out of the car, and he gets out of the car, and he's trying to quickly get to the trunk to get my suitcase out. And I'm like, don't you touch my bag. Like, I'm, I'm going to make him pay by actually picking up my own suitcase. So I get the suitcase out. But then to top it off, as I'm walking away, I make sure he knows that I'm not shutting the trunk. Right? <laughs> like, you are going to shut your own trunk, my man. Like, let me just tell you, 
This is how this is going to go down. So if I can't get even with you, I'm going to get sarcastic and I'm going to get petty. I told my wife about 10 minutes later, I called her and I said, like, it's just one of those moments where I wish I could have been on the outside looking in and just been like, just let him get your bag and just say thank you and walk away. But somehow, just my condition, I got to get petty. Um, but how about, so I admit it, I'm a, I'm a retaliator. Who in here, you're, you're all about denial. When someone hurts you, you just deny it. You're in denial right now, because I know there should be a bunch of hands up. <laughs> but, that, but that's, you're the type that says, it's fine, it doesn't really bother me. Uh, guys in here, married men in here, when your wife says, it's fine, be very afraid. It could range from fine, but it also could range from, it's fine, anywhere to, your clothes are all over the front yard, right? So uh, be afraid. But some of you say, like, it doesn't bother me, it's not that big a deal. How many of you, maybe your response is to mistreat someone else? You can't get back at the person who hurt you, so you in turn hurt someone else. Or maybe you're, you choose the path of avoidance, like just don't deal with it, don't talk about it, avoid the conflict, avoid the person. Or maybe you harbor it, where you build a little internal fortress of, of hate that maybe you don't even talk about it with anybody else, but in it's just burning inside you, and that's your response when somebody hurts you. And the truth is we know that none of these are working, Jesus said he came to give us abundant life, and he wants us to walk in victory, and he says there's a better way. And he says the better way is to forgive, that to forgive as we've been forgiven. Now, if I were Jesus, I would not have said forgiveness is the better way, as we've already talked about. I would have said revenge is the better way. But Jesus says, no, the better way is the path of forgiveness. And the cool thing when he talks about forgiveness that I love in this prayer is he starts with what we've experienced. It's like the two sides of a coin. And he starts with the sign of the coin that gives us the perspective that we need in order to forgive one another. He starts by saying, forgive us our debts. We're talking to God our Father, right? The one whose kingdom is coming, the one who's giving us everything we need. He's the source of everything that we need. We talked about that last week. And he says that God, that creator, that father, that relationship that we have with him, that God is, in, is the one that is giving us forgiveness. He says, forgive us our debts. Now, the word forgive means to, to cancel a debt. It's a financial term. But it also means to pardon an offense. And another definition of it is to send something away. So in this first century, as Jesus is giving this talk, largely to a, a Jewish crowd, the Jewish people in the crowd, immediately their minds go back to something that happened about 2,000 years earlier. It's a reminder of something that started all the way back in the book of Leviticus and, in fact, is still practiced today. It's a date that, that you may see on your calendar. you got all these weird days that you're like, some, like Boxing Day, that's a Canadian holiday. You're like, someone's getting it off, it's not me. Uh, but Yom Kippur, who's ever seen that on their calendar? No idea what that is, but somebody doesn't have to go to work that day. I wish it was me, but it's not. Uh, Yom Kippur is a Jewish holiday. It actually is a holiday for the Day of Atonement. So it's the day where the, the people were made right with God, where there was forgiveness for their sins. The best, simplest way to remember what the word atonement means is to break it up into three words. It's at one mint. It's where we are, we are made one with God again because of, for us today, because of the, the person and work of Jesus. But for them, their minds would, again, would have gone all the way back to Leviticus where this story would have played itself out. And so I want to read the story for you and then we're going to talk about it. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 6, it says, Aaron, who was the high priest, Aaron will present his own bowl as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. Then he must take two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness 
of Azazel. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord, the other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive, standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. So this was a, a, a ceremony that took place at the end, day, at the end of a 10-day period of repentance. So on the 10th day, the, the priest would take these two bowls, one that would be used as a sin offering that would be killed and sacrificed on the altar, and the other, the other goat would be taken, and he would put his hand on the head of this animal, and then he would symbolically transfer the sins of all of the people onto the head of this animal. And this innocent animal would then be released out into the wilderness, basically sent out there to be food for lions or something like that. But it was sent out into the wilderness to die, symbolically carrying the sins of the people. That's where we get the term scapegoat from, someone who's taking the blame for everyone else. Like if you're a sports fan, Bill Buckner, Steve Bartman, those are, are great uh, scapegoat examples. The movie The Lion King, Simba's a scapegoat. On our staff, Evan, he is our scapegoat. <laughs> Whatever goes wrong, we just blame Evan. Um, but there are some famous scapegoats, but that's where, that, that's where this originated. And so just think about it for a second. This goat who did nothing wrong. I'll be honest with you, I'd prefer if it was cats, but in this case, it's goats. They take this innocent goat, transfer symbolically the sins of the people, and then just send it out into the wilderness to die. And so every time forgiveness was talked about, they would remember this ceremony because it was a ceremony that marked the forgiveness of their sins, the sending away of their sins, this innocent animal taking their sins and being released with their sins. And so it was a picture, a 4,000-year-old picture now of what Jesus did. It was always looking forward to Jesus. You've heard me say this before. There's only one story in the Bible. That's the, the reconciliation of, of God and man through the person and work of Jesus. That's the only story in the entire Bible. All of the other little stories you see in there are all stories that are shaping and pointing you towards the main story. And so this was an example. When God instituted this, this was never about a goat wandering in the wilderness. This was always pointing them forward to when, as John the Baptist referred to him, the Lamb of God would come and would take away or send away the sins of the world. And so they would immediately have made this connection. To you and I today, the connection is the personal work of Jesus, the ultimate scapegoat. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That just like that goat who knew no sin became the sacrifice for sin, that Jesus who knew no sin took our sin, became our sin. Sin is the times in our life when our thoughts, our words, our actions, where we fall short of the sinless standard of God's perfection, which is a place that we are at literally every single day. The worst thing that you and I have ever said, thought, or done, Jesus took and he became that, became the sacrifice for that so that we could be made right in the sight of God, so that our sins could be paid for, so that you and I could be forgiven. That's the picture that they always went to in their mind. That forgiveness of sins was available to them and to you and I today. Forgiveness of sins is available to any and all of us. To any that believe, do you believe that Jesus lived, died, was buried, and rose again to pay for your sins, to reconcile you back to God? I mean, if you believe that to be true, Romans 10 says that we just simply confess it. There's no script. There's no magic prayer. Literally, as a cry of your heart, you just simply tell God, I may not understand everything there is 
about this. I may not know everything there is to know, but in this moment, I believe, and in this moment, I accept, I believe that Jesus died for me, right? And when you do that, you experience the ultimate forgiveness. And so he talks about forgive us our debts. Our sins are forgiven once and for all. But Jesus is talking about an ongoing confession of sin as well. When he gives us this model, he's talking about the sin that, that we, like, when you say yes to Jesus' offer of eternal life, your eternal destiny is sealed. What I'm about to say has nothing to do with that. But what Jesus is talking about here, not only is our eternal destiny sealed, not only are we saved and freed from the penalty of sin, but, he, but what he's talking about as well is the relational barriers that exist in our, between us and God. That, that there are things that, that we have to confess every day. Because it'd be great if when you said yes to Jesus' offer of eternal life, if all of a sudden we just became perfect. Like, that'd be awesome if we experienced that. One day we're going to experience it, but not right now. So every day it's a reminder that I have to come into his presence and I have to, to, to confront myself with the thought patterns, the things I said, the things I did, the things I allowed, the things I didn't say or do that I should have that create this relational wedge between myself and God. And I come into his presence and I say, forgive my debts. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess, the word confess means to, to see our sin as God sees it. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. As we confess, we are promised forgiveness from a God who has never broken a promise. That no matter what it is, no matter what it is, God will forgive. No matter how many times we ask, God has promised to forgive. And so Jesus starts by giving us the perspective. He, he, he starts by saying, forgive us our debts, because this is where all of this begins. And he says, now that you and I have the perspective for, of forgive us our debts, he says, as we forgive those who are indebted to us, or as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Like having received forgiveness that we didn't deserve, basking in the grace and mercy of the gospel, what do we do with the wrongs that have been committed against us? And I'm going to be honest with you, this is where the prayer really gets painful. Because I'm all about God the Father. I'm all about the kingdom coming for the most part. I'm trying to figure out how to get mine wedged in there too, but I'm, I'm about that. About, yes, be my source. Forgive me, Absolutely. But then now it takes it a, a deeper, more personal way. It's where this prayer gets painful. And you go, but wait a second. Like, you don't know my story. You don't know what I have experienced. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they took. If you did, you wouldn't tell me to forgive. And I'm going to be totally honest with you. You are probably right. If you told me your story, I would probably offer to drive the car, buy the bat, and provide the alibi. I listen to a lot of murder podcasts. We could get away with it. Like, I'm, like I'm ready. But, here, but here's, here's the problem, right? And one of the things I've always said is I'm going to teach you the truth. I'm going to teach you what Jesus says, even the things that Jesus says, and I've openly owned their things that Jesus says, that I'm like, I don't like that, Jesus. Like, if, there's, if, if, if I could veto one thing in the Bible, like, this would be it, and we've, we've talked about that. I'm not the one telling you to forgive. Jesus, your Lord and your Savior, your Master, the King of the kingdom, is the one that's telling you to forgive. And if Jesus has the power to pay for 
and to forgive all of your sins, don't you think that he has the power to give you the strength that you need to forgive? C.S. Lewis said, to be Christian means that we forgive the inexcusable in others because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. That we've experienced it, right? And with great privilege comes great responsibility. That we've experienced it now our response is to in turn do the same for others. Colossians 3.13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now, now I know and I understand that topics like this create tension. I know and I understand that there are a lot of people in here, you are surrendering control of all of your life to Jesus, and you know that there's unforgiveness in your life, and you go, I desperately don't want it, but I just don't know what to do with it. And so with the last few minutes we have together, I want to just give you some things. This is not going to fix everything, but I think if I can kind of help you move onto the path of forgiveness, this could be something that could really be beneficial to you. Because I know that there are some of you in here, you experienced pain over years of your life. You didn't get here overnight, and it's foolish for me to tell you or for you to believe that you can just fix it overnight. Like for some of you in here, forgiveness is not a one-time decision. It's a, it's a journey. It is going to be a process. And I want to help you take a step to begin to move onto that process. Like where you are right now, you may be stuck. And I want you to know if you're stuck, it's okay. But I'm also here to tell you that, that moving forward, it's no, longer to be, it's no longer okay to be stuck. I want to move you forward with the, the, the truth of the gospel. And so I want to give you just a few things that, that I think can, can at least start the process for us, okay? So number one is we've got to identify who has hurt us. Every time I think about this, I always think about the movie Billy Madison, right? The scene where he's got, like, his list on the wall. You guys remember that? People to kill, <laughs> right? Like, who's, who's on your people to kill list, right? And, and, and listen, before I say anything else, I want to make sure that this is clear. I'm not encouraging you to relive old pain for the purpose of suffering, like, what I'm talking about is not pondering pain to hurt. What I'm talking about is to ponder your pain to begin to heal, to begin to take a step forward. This may be best done with someone else. In fact, I would encourage you to do this with someone else. But, but let me also give you a word of caution. Make sure it's someone that wants the best for you and is trying to, to push you to become more like Jesus. We all have people in our lives that will sit in the mud with us. Like, we all have people like, oh, let me tell you, oh, they did that to you, let me tell you, they did me. Like, oh, yeah, you, you have every right to be, to be bitter and to be resentful. Like, I cannot believe all that you're experiencing. And while that stuff may be true, you're sitting in a pit going, I'd love to get out of this, and they're not really helping. If anything, they just jumped into a pit with a shovel, and they're digging us further down. We all have those people. Listen, if you don't have those people, you probably are those people. Right? Like, we, we all have those people. Find people that say, I am sorry about where you are, but I love you too much to let you stay there. I will never forget, my, my wife had a very difficult upbringing, and she was meeting with uh, Jimmy, our pastor. This was 20, over 20 years ago. She explained to him what she had experienced, and she was battling bitterness. And Jimmy said to her, the bitterness is on you. The bitterness is about you. He said, you have to, move, you have to choose to move forward. You have to choose to take those, those steps. It was a difficult conversation, but it was a life-altering conversation for Jen and for me just kind of walking through, through that journey. So find people who are like, hey, I see you're in the pit. 
here's a rope, let me help you get out, right? So do this with someone that, that, that can, can help you move forward. But make that list. Who's wronged you? Who do you feel justified to harbor ill will towards? Honestly, making a list like that is probably not difficult. If you have resentment towards someone, it's constantly bouncing around in your mind. It's the, the old expression, who's living in your head rent-free. Like, we all have our list, right? So we've got to identify who's hurt us. And then as Jesus said, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us, those who have sinned against us. We have to make the conscious decision to cancel the debt. Make the conscious decision to send it away. As that goat was sent away with the sins of the people, we send away the debt. We send away the the sin that that person has committed against us. As you and I have been forgiven, we choose to forgive. Now, now I I think it's important to uh, highlight some, I think, some misconceptions we have about forgiveness. Because if if you're feeling some inner turmoil, uh, sometimes we, we, we confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. So you go, oh, so I'm just supposed to like, be reconciled with that person? That's not what I'm saying. It takes two people to reconcile a relationship, a broken relationship. It only takes one person to forgive. Forgiveness does, you say, well, if I forgive, does that mean it doesn't matter and I don't mind? No, true forgiveness means I do mind. And it means it does matter but it also means that I'm choosing to make the conscious decision to no longer hold it against you. You Say, man, if I forgive, does that mean I'm letting them off the hook? That's not what that means at all. You're releasing it from yourself. You're releasing them, but you're releasing them into the hands of God. I think it's Alexander the the coppersmith or silversmith, somebody Paul talked about in Timothy. He said, I'm just releasing that, that guy to God. And when he wrote that, I'm like, man, I feel bad for that dude. But he said, I just am simply going to release it to him. So it means that you're releasing it, right? It it doesn't mean that you're letting them off the hook. You release it to God. Listen, if you've experienced something that is criminal, release it to the police. Like, like there, there are times where that's the right thing to do, right? So, but we're simply saying it's no longer my responsibility. I no longer see myself as judge, jury, and executioner. Instead, I choose to release it. Forgiving is not diminishing what they did. Forgiving is to prevent what they did from destroying me. And as my sins were sent away, I'm sending theirs away as well. Now, for some of us, this decision to cancel a debt is a simple decision. It's to simply let go of what you're holding on to. Maybe it's a a petty minor offense. Like somebody, you say, oh man, they were late for a meeting, didn't say hi to me in the grocery store. You know, you ate the last piece of pizza, uh, unless it's deep dish. If it's deep dish, then forgiveness is off the table. Um, you know, but, but whatever, you forgot my birthday. You know, something like that where, you, where it's like it's a, it's a minor offense. And for, for those of you, it's just a simple decision right now, man. In the, in the grace of God, with what I've been forgiven, how in the world can I, can I continue to hold on to this against them? And I choose to cancel the debt, which is where a lot of us fall. I mean, Colossians or Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 talks about this. It says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Others' faults means that they're doing something that you don't like. It means they're doing something that isn't helping the relationship. But you go, man, I just simply have to be okay with making allowances for that. But then for some of you, it's, it's much more difficult. It's more than just a quiet decision or a brief conversation. 
It's a deeper hurt that requires that you simply begin to take a step down the journey towards forgiveness, the journey towards victory. Maybe today for you that step is claiming forgiveness. Maybe that step is reaching out to someone to help you. Maybe that step is just taking a moment to own the hypocrisy of receiving forgiveness that we didn't earn and we don't deserve, while at the same time refusing to extend that to someone else. See, forgiveness is a daily decision. That's why Jesus talks about it in this same way. We talked about give us today whatever we need, our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us, those who have sinned against us. It's a, this is a daily conversation. It's a daily journey. Because you may choose today to forgive something, but then don't be surprised when that exact same thing shows up in your mailbox tomorrow and you want to take it back. Like for some of you, your relationship with forgiveness is going to be like Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber, like on again, off again. They've been, they broke up like 10 times in the last 10 years, right? And that's going to be you where some days you're going to wake up, man, you're surrendering control of your life to King Jesus, and you're like, Jesus, as difficult as it is, I choose to forgive this person that has sinned against me. And then you wake up the next day, and the exact person you forgave, you're like, I'm not forgiving him today. It's a journey. It's a process. It's a daily confronting ourselves of the power of the gospel, of the forgiveness of the gospel that we have received. And part of the struggle is, is we oftentimes don't feel it. Like, this is one of the things I talk about with people, and it's just a struggle, because it's like, man, I've, I've forgiven them, but why don't I feel like I've forgiven them. And this is where we have to operate with what we know. We talk about this a lot at Generation. Belief shapes what? Belief shapes our behavior. Okay, three of you have been listening the last seven years. Uh, believe, what I believe determines how I live, right? So that's what we have to operate in. That does not necessarily include my feelings. The, the, the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will, will remind us of all truth. It doesn't say he'll remind us and lead us in all emotion, it says he'll lead us into, into truth. And so this is where you have to, to separate what you feel from what you, from what you choose. I cannot control how I feel, but I absolutely can control what I do. I start with belief, and from belief, I act. And my feelings may or may not follow. Oftentimes, we have to drag our feelings with us. Our neighbors just got this puppy. Uh, his name is Deke, and he's like the cutest thing in the world. And they'll take him for a walk. And when they get home back on our street from the walk, that dog literally, it's like 100 degrees outside. He just stops and lays down on the road. And I watch them as they basically drag Deke down the street to the house. And I feel sometimes like that's me with my feelings. Like I believe something. I'm making the right decision. I wish my feelings followed, but they don't. And so literally, it's like those feelings are on a leash. And it's like, I'm not going to let my feelings control me. My feelings are going to come along with me because based on what I believe, I'm acting. And my feelings, just they just sort of have to come along for the ride. And so you, do, you operate based on what you know. You choose the path of forgiveness. We don't feel forgiveness. We choose forgiveness. We choose to cancel the debt. And when we choose to cancel the debt, to send offenses away, we're following Jesus' example. I think it is safe to say that you and I are never more like Jesus than when we forgive. We're never more like Jesus than when we forgive. And then number three, we walk in Jesus' victory. We identify who's hurt us, we cancel the debt, we walk in his victory. We preach the truth of forgiveness over 
our lives. In Christ, I have been forgiven, and only because of Christ and Christ living in me can I forgive you. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thank God he has made us his captives. We are now captives to the conquering King Jesus. And he continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. But we are captives to his goodness. We are captives to his grace. We share in his victory. We are not victorious. He is victorious, and we are a part of the the procession of victory. The victory that he has over sin, the victory that he has over bitterness, over resentment, we share in that victory. You may have heard it said before, that's why we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. If we're honest about it this morning, I think there are many of us in here who would say I'm not walking in victory you're trapped in defeat you're angry you're cold you're bitter you're resentful it's affecting relationships you know for some of us in here it's affecting our health you don't have to trust me as the authority. Literally Google unforgiveness and health. You'll be stunned at all of the things that that is linked to. It's affecting everything about us. Yet Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life. And then relational conflict arises, hurt, injustice. We think, man, what I'm living right now doesn't feel anything close to abundant. And listen, I know there's, there's tension in the room right now. Because I know that you know that forgiveness is the right path. I know we want to respond in obedience. And today for you, maybe it's about just simply taking a step. Maybe your next yes in your walk with Jesus, maybe the next yes is the step towards forgiveness. It's time to send away their debt and in doing so, set yourself free. Would you bow your heads with me? God, this morning I pray over this room. I know that there are certainly people here who are holding on to something that even drums up emotion as we go, man, I'm holding on to this and I don't want to hold it anymore. So right now I just pray over those hearts. God, I don't know that I've ever met someone that is harboring hate or resentment and they feel really good about it. I think for most of us, we know it's not healthy. We just don't know how to move forward. And I pray today that for those in here like that, that they would take take a step.
that they would move forward in their journey of forgiveness. Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Jesus, be glorified now. Holy Spirit, move and speak. Uh, We know you are in this place. I saw someone wrote this week, we know that you're present and the real prayer is just help us to believe that you're present. You are here. You are real. God, help us to believe that. Help us to believe that you're here to give us strength, to give us guidance and direction, to give us hope when we feel hopeless. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray it. Amen.